Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Christy, thank you for joining me this morning. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Christy is a certified laser tech and has been with me for a number of years. She is uh, very skilled at being able to both apply laser treatments and uh, comprehend what I'm trying to get across. <laughs> so uh, she's along for the ride with me today. We're discussing a really important topic. This is going to be LEDs versus lasers. This is what we hear. Get it all the time. Get that yeah. question all the time. All the time. It, it's been a debate for a very long time in the, in the scientific community as well. If you look back at a lot of the papers from... 20, 30 years ago compared to today, there's a lot of this back and forth on, you know, do lasers do something special that regular light bulbs don't? I mean, there's all kinds of things. So we're going to try and break that down a little bit uh, today. I think it'll be really good. As usual, uh, we're going to be talking about a research article. I'll give you the uh, title for that. We'll drop a link to that article um, in the comments or, or when we actually post the, the episode. Um, excuse me. But... Um, this is, this is going to be a really good one. It's a brand new study uh, from just earlier this year, 2022, uh, January of 2022. And um, it, it does show quite a bit. Most people, most clinicians, which is our, that's what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. We're really talking to clinicians. Most clinicians want to know uh, which one's going to give their patients better results, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, that's what, what we're after. Yeah, absolutely is. So... Um, we want to look at the at the studies to actually be able to figure that out and be able to determine then you know if if you do get better results from the laser or from the LED that you're using the right piece and then if you know if you're not that you fine tune your equipment to do whatever's going to get mm-hmm. the best results that you can for right. patients. So this is again again a really uh, interesting study. The title of the study is photobiomodulation at different wavelengths boosts mitochondrial redox metabolism and hemoglobin oxygenation lasers versus light emitting diodes in vivo so it's a big it's a big title that is <laughs> they always are they, they usually are that's exactly <laughs> right so photobiomodulation of course is just the the all-encompassing term at this point for both laser light and led light any any light therapy right mm-hmm. so you're using photo light to affect the biology and modulate the way at which it performs so we're talking about different wavelengths here and leds versus light or mm-hmm. i'm sorry leds versus lasers mm-hmm. and when we're talking about wavelengths that's really the color of the, of the light right right so um, we want to know how do these different wavelengths compare? How do the lasers compare to the LEDs? And the way that we're going to measure that, at least the way that these researchers measured it, is that they're looking at the mitochondrial metabolism, the rate at which the mitochondria produce ATP, but also looking at hemoglobin oxygenation. So those are our parameters where we look at this to determine efficacy and, and see mm-hmm. exactly how the light is affecting things. And this is there's some really interesting things here for how they measured that as well as their their just their whole setup and their findings nice looking forward to it yeah so let's start number one here they say while the exact mechanism of photobiomodulation is not entirely clear 
One of the prevailing theories is that a photon is absorbed by the copper subunit of the terminal enzyme cytochrome C oxidase of the electron transport chain in the mitochondria. That enhances the ability of the mitochondria to catalyze the reduction of oxygen to produce ATP more efficiently. We've heard this before. This is pretty much recycled in a lot of, in, in all these publications, because that's our best idea mm -hmm. at this point. Mm -hmm. There's also the idea that one of the big factors here is the water itself, the water inside and outside the cell, the water that comes up against the different layers mm -hmm. of cells, so the interfacial water layers, and that by using infrared light and red light on those uh, water layers, it becomes more viscous. So you're able to have faster, easier transport in and out of the cell, in and out of the mitochondria, and that allows for better, faster, more functioning as well. Quick question, does that translate into why we need to stay hydrated? You know, <laughs> or not? That's a that's a good question. Not directly, mm -hmm. um, because the cellular water levels are actually mm -hmm. not that much affected by overall hydration, as okay. we think of it. However, we're also talking about the hemoglobin, right? Mm -hmm. Now, hemoglobin um, concentrations, total amount of blood content, uh, plasma, all that is very affected by hydration. Okay. So you do need to make sure you stay hydrated if you're right. going to get the most you can out of some of these bigger effects on hemoglobin, not necessarily on the cellular side. Okay. Um, but we do know that you know water uh, does affect everything. Mm -hmm. Water intake is important for patients. Just a quick silly question. No, not a silly question <laughs> at all. It, it does matter. It makes a difference. You've got to have the raw materials on hand mm -hmm. if you want the body to function correctly. If you're going to starve the body of whatever it is, you know, mm -hmm. a, a vitamin, a mineral, a, you know, water, right. things are not going to work like they're supposed to. Right. So. Right. Okay. Thanks for the clarification. Thanks for the question. It's a good question. So these guys um, uh, compared. Excuse me. These guys compared these these lasers and LEDs because mm -hmm. we're looking at several things. They say the main benefit of LEDs over lasers is the low cost, the safety, and the ease of use. And we're going to talk about the difference between LEDs and lasers here coming up. Um, because if you're not totally sure, then you're not going to be sure what we're talking about here. Right. But the, the focus there is LED benefits are lower cost, safety, ease of use. Let's let's talk about the safety aspect because uh, yeah yeah because lasers are safe used correctly. Lasers are safe used correctly. That's a good way to put that. Yeah, absolutely. They can be very very safe. Um, what is the number one hazard of a laser in general? just the focused parameters of it you can mm -hmm. do eye damage that sort of thing that's exactly so. right eye damage is really the, the big one if you have mm -hmm. a a high power laser um and you're you're reckless with it you can definitely do eye damage you can mm -hmm. also uh you know if you if it's focused uh you can do skin damage as well mm -hmm. uh, you can burn that's that's pretty commonly known However, you have to be almost silly to get to that level. Right. You know, there's well, and they're talking about these LEDs and flashing them, and you just don't want to do it directly in your eye. Anything you don't want to do yeah, directly in your eye. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, so. never shine lights into your eyes on, on purpose, uh, mm -hmm. unless you're, you've got a very specific thing that you're doing <laughs> uh, doing for that. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, yeah, but... You know, if you, if you talk about a, a high-power laser and you compare it to an LED light source, I mean, the LED light source is technically safer mm -hmm. because even if you do shine it in the eye, it's not going to do any yeah, damage. It's going to take a long time. Yeah. Take, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. 
very high exposure. So this is why I wanted to make sure we had our our um, our video put up correctly here because I've got some pictures to talk about LED versus mm -hmm. um, LEDs versus uh, lasers. The first difference really uh, can be the wavelength. And so this is just grabbed from this particular study. Boy, lots of technical difficulties today. That's okay. But I thought it was important to put this up there. So this study shows that they used uh, three different wavelengths of lasers. That's the blue, purple, and red lines. Okay. So those are the lasers. They used an 800 nanometer laser, an 850, and a 1064. Those are those solid colored lines there. And if you notice, they have very, very sharp peaks. This is the mm -hmm. wavelength kind of distribution. So that means that m almost every single photon that was produced by those lasers was at the advertised 800, 850, or 1064 level. That's what that really sharp peak means. There's a little bit of spillage over into maybe you know 790, or maybe up to about 810, but really almost all the photons are produced in that very, very narrow band. Now, the LED is the dashed black line. And you'll notice that it is wider, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So most of the photons are still about the 810 nanometer uh, spectrum, which is uh, what this LED was advertised at. However, it does go all the way down to about 750 and all the way up close to about 850. So there's a, a little bit broader spectrum of light. Still, most of the light uh, it is about the same as that 800 nanometer laser. There's definitely a lot of overlap there. Mm -hmm. So first difference there can be the wavelength. You know, you're not going to get the same um, single wavelength exposure from an LED that you will from a laser. So that's one difference. Another one is coherence. And that's this one. So coherent laser light all travels together in one direction. Think about this as like that laser pointer, right? You mm -hmm. point it across the room, you've got a tiny little dot of light. If you take a flashlight with incoherent light, uh, like it's on the bottom of that of that picture right there, then you're going to see a big spot of light, right? Because it diffuses. It's scatter. Yeah, it scatters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not it's not all traveling along the same pathway. So that's really kind of your big your big changes from lasers to LEDs. But this doesn't necessarily mean that your lasers are always better. It's simply a difference. Mm -hmm. Alright, where this does become a factor is if you've got a lot of very divergent incoherent LED light, then it is going to change how you deliver light to those tissues versus if you put a laser onto those tissues. And the picture for, that I want to use for that one is this. This is really comparing spot sizes, but just think about it. If you have a lot of divergent light going on up, up in here, before that light ever touches the skin, it's going to be more spread out. Mm -hmm. It's not going to penetrate as far. It's mostly going to stay a little bit more scattered in the top of the tissues. So penetration can be an issue the more divergent your light is. However, I'm going to go back to this one. Something to think about if you're looking at lasers and LEDs. If you have a fiber laser, a laser that has mm -hmm. like a fiber optic, Mm -hmm. That fiber actually makes the laser lose some of this, some of the the coherence. Those wavelengths don't necessarily all travel exactly together. So um, 
they are still collimated and directed into one direction, but you do lose some of the synchronization that you see on those wavelengths uh, rising and falling together as they go across uh, the page there. Is that because the fiber optic cable is, is flexible and the light can just kind of bounce off the innards of that, that sheath, if you will? Yes, that okay. is exactly right. That is a great way to put that. Yeah, that's 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 what happens. Now, if you have a if you have a laser that is emitted and goes directly onto the skin, you still have that. But then the next factor to consider is that you lose that coherence as soon as the laser hits anything with resistance, like mm-hmm. skin. Mm-hmm. So that you, you lose that coherence anyway. So if you've got an LED right up against the skin and you've got a laser right up against the skin, are there major differences in terms of this coherent versus incoherent light? Not necessarily. And that is one of the reasons that these guys did this study actually, is to say, okay, if we have very similar light sources, is there really a difference when it comes to what's happening in the tissues? That's what we're trying to look at today. So that would also mean the length of the fiber optic or the, the delivery mechanism? Because would you lose more with a longer cable you, yeah, versus you, you a shorter do. cable? And versus, you know, um, you know, straight versus right wrapped around itself a few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, you, you just assume, Minimum. yeah, that you're going to lose all, a lot of that coherence. Okay. Now, where you won't is if you have like an articulated mirrored arm. Right. Right, which isn't really used for therapy lasers, but you'll see mm-hmm. that in surgical lasers mm-hmm. and cosmetic lasers. Um, and, and that does not lose its coherence because it's using these finely tuned mirrors. Focused, very yeah, focused. and it can continue on in a straight pattern mm-hmm. where it doesn't have to work around the bends of the yeah. fibers. Yeah, okay. So, but most of, most of the therapy lasers you're going to see out there are fiber lasers. So, right, yeah, right. Something to understand. Okay, now let's get a little bit more into this, this particular study and exactly, uh, exactly what they did here. Um, because like I said, the goal here was to compare very similar light sources and see is there a difference LEDs versus um, uh, versus the the actual um, laser. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm losing my laser word today. All right. So what they did to measure this, first of all, is they used a a really interesting spectroscopy method. Let me find my quote on that one. There we go. So they use broadband near-infrared spectroscopy together with a nonlinear regression algorithm. And that let them quantitatively assess concentration increases of oxygenated hemoglobin, deoxygenated hemoglobin, and oxidized cytochrome C oxidase or CCO redox state. And they could do that on the arm during the treatment. So while they're delivering laser, they actually they actually shut it off, shut the laser off for like a, a, a fraction of a second. Take this this it's BBNIRS. Take this spectroscopy reading and then go right back to laser on or LED on. And so they're able to watch and see the changes over time in the hemoglobin oxygenated versus deoxygenated, as well as the state of cytochrome C oxidase redox. So wow. It's it's wow. a pretty great way to measure what's actually happening in the tissues, mm-hmm. um, even while you're running a therapy light. That's amazing. It's 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 pretty cool. It's pretty pretty neat, really. So, um, they compared, like we already mentioned, three different lasers along with the LED, and, and they were at somewhat similar 
intensities because that's okay. the next step. Mm-hmm. Can you get a similar measurement on the intensity? The power has a, a big impact, the power and the spot size. Mm-hmm. If the intensity is not similar, then you really can't compare, right? Right. If you have an 800 nanometer laser, an 800 nanometer LED, and the LED is way, way weaker, you're, you're going to get a lot more response out mm-hmm. of a higher power laser. Right. So the trick is to get those power levels, the intensities, to about the same level. So let's look at their conclusions. They say first, all three lasers at both at the 800, the 850, and the 1064 nanometers enable dose-dependent significant stimulation or enhancement of mitochondrial redox activity, vascular oxygenation, and vascular blood volume and flow of the human forearm. So all of them. 800, 850, 1064 lasers all performed very, very well in terms of increasing mitochondrial activity, oxygenation, blood flow, mm-hmm. um, not only volume, like the amount of mm-hmm. blood flow, but even the, the uh, velocity, how much blood flow is getting there quickly. Hmm. They say second, the 1064 nanometer laser sustained longer and more increases of the physiological effects as compared to the other two lasers. However, the 800 nanometer laser had a more sustained effect even after the laser was turned off. So 1064 versus 800, mm-hmm. you can get really big effects out of the 1064, but you have more sustained effects, at least under in this experiment, under the 800. Third, the 810 nanometer LED significantly boosted cytochrome C oxidase, redox metabolism, and vascular oxygenation with a similar trajectory to the 800 nanometer laser. Hmm. And I've got a bit, I've got a picture for that too. It'll make this a little bit easier to see, I think. So this is this graph is from the study again, and it's comparing the 810 nanometer LED to the 800 nanometer laser. Now understand, as you look at this, uh, the dashed line is the, the LED. So less activity out of the LED versus the laser. But when you're looking at this, you've got to understand the laser was about twice the power, mm-hmm. twice the intensity mm-hmm. as the LED. So a shorter time frame p- potentially? Shorter time frame with a laser, yes, mm-hmm. to get the same effect, but also definitely means a longer time frame or you need more power to your LED. But mm-hmm. if, you, if you look at, these, at, these, at the graph, they're actually very similar in terms of the type of reaction that they were getting. Right. It's just less from the mm-hmm. LED, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. the difference there was was pretty significant. So let me grab uh, let me grab the specifications there. So the 800 nanometer la- uh, laser was about 300 milliwatts per centimeter squared. The LED unit was about 135 milliwatts per centimeter okay. squared. So a little less than half. So we'd expect right. to see. You'd- kind of half the response. But the response is very similar, and that's mm-hmm. what's amazing. Right. That I is, mean, yeah. encouraging, too. It is, yeah, because, uh, you know, if we can have something that, if you can have an LED treatment that can be safer and lower cost, I mean, that makes sense that that, mm-hmm. would be, that would be a good thing to do. So they said that one thing to keep in mind is that most commercial LED units that are available have much weaker irradiance than the one they used in this study. Okay, so you cannot take what they're finding here and say, well, that means that any LED is going to get just as good results as lasers. Right. There we go. 
So don't you, you can't draw that conclusion. What mm-hmm. conclusion you can draw is that LEDs can have great effects and lasers can have great effects, but you've got to have enough irradiance. And most LEDs out there do not have enough power, enough intensity to get the job done like lasers can. Yeah. So don't try this at home. So, <laughs> right. If you're going to... <laughs> It is. It's hard because if you just if you don't know a lot about this and you just jump online and you start shopping for LED units, you're gonna find a lot of stuff out there. Um, a lot of it's really cheap and a lot of it is garbage. It just does not have the strength to be able to do anything. Um, so you do need to have a a very reputable company that you're getting your LEDs from that publishes things like the intensity. You know, they like uh, on this study, it was about 135 milliwatts per centimeter squared. You should be able to find out if you're buying an LED unit, what is the intensity? Are you, you know, mm-hmm. are you in that range between that, like this study showed, between 130 to about 300 milliwatts per centimeter squared? You should be able to get some good results mm-hmm. in terms of blood flow, oxygenation, right. um, and, and uh, cellular metabolism activity. If you don't know those numbers, then you might be getting an LED with, with really nothing to it. Right. L- the laser units that are out there are much easier to know that you're getting a good unit because um, the, the, the companies that promote those will mm-hmm. will tell you what power they have. They brag about the power they have in most cases. They're Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So so that's, that's a little bit easier to not get trapped there. So I guess the real first takeaway is if you're going to get a LED... You have to get a good one. You have to spend a little more money probably and get one that's going to actually put out the power and the intensity that it's supposed to. Otherwise, you're not going to get there any results. Right. Right. Um, and if you get a good one, LEDs and lasers can have very good results, very similar results. And, and anywhere in that 800 to about 1100 nanometer wavelength area should be pretty good. Matter of fact, if you could com- if you could pair some of these wavelengths together, if you can get an 800 and a 1064 together, well, you have good immediate results from that 1064, but more sustained results from the 800. So you start to mix and match some of these wavelengths might be a good thing, not only for LED, but also for laser. So would you recommend for instance, a clinic have both available in their operation? Maybe. Mm-hmm. This is where it really comes down to, if you're a clinician looking at getting a photobiomodulation device and trying to figure out what you want and how much money you want to spend, you, you're going to have to get something that works or you're just wasting your money and your patient's money and your time and everything. That's not okay. So you have to get something that works. It depends ultimately on your goals mm-hmm. as a clinician. What are you trying to accomplish with it? Are you working on wound healing? If so... LED panels, maybe that's great. Maybe that's really all you want to worry about. If you're working on peripheral neuropathy, probably not. You've got to cover so much ground with such a high intensity on those treatments that you really do need a big class four unit, a really big class four unit. Mm -hmm. Um, So really it's going to come down to to that. As a clinician, what are you trying to accomplish? Um, is it worth spending thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars to get a top-of-the-line laser unit that's completely customizable, or can you get what you want out of maybe a two or three thousand dollar, you know, LED panel? It's going to depend on what you want. If you don't know what you want, that's also okay. So, reach out to us. Let us know what you want to do. We'll get with you. I've actually got a phone call later today with a with a doc who's 
going through the same debate right now. Very, very common. We're happy to help with that. You can email us, info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. You can chat with us on Facebook. You can mm-hmm. find us really just about everywhere, YouTube, the whole bit. Right. If you have additional questions, LEDs versus lasers, let us know. Be happy to help. Yeah. Great, great topic. Thanks. Thank yeah. you very much for your time, Christy. Yeah, thank you. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.